Do you ever feel like you're drifting through life? Well, it's time to stop drifting and start navigating and take the helm on your own life. And today we are going to talk with a couple who just did that with their four kids. Welcome to the What Could Go Right podcast. My name is Emily Orton. And I am Eric Orton. And on this podcast, we talk about personal growth, family connections, and raising adult kids. Nathan and Brooke, thanks for being on the What Could Go Right podcast with us. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And uh, first of all, you got four girls, and what are their ages? 13, 10, 8, and 4. Awesome. And you guys have been married for how long? Go uh, 15 years in January. Okay, awesome. So go back as far or as little back as you want and just kind of, we want to just hear your story, your journey from... Before your, we'll, we'll just call it adventure, <laughs> we'll let you introduce what your what your idea was and and to now. You want to kick us off? Sure. So um, we know the Ortons from New York City. Nate and I were both there independently of each other. Ended up meeting, getting married, and then we were in the same um, church as Eric and Emily, and that's kind of how we got to know them. And I think from the get-go, we were, were just really inspired by your family. You guys were just different. I, I, there were a lot of people who were different in New York City, but <laughs> you were good different. <laughs> like, um, we loved, we came to your house one night for dinner, and just the chaos of your five kids and how you handled it, and like just with a lot of fun and a lot of laughter and you were doing something that seemed so impossible to me as a you know young married person with no kids like homeschooling in a small apartment and um yeah so I think that's probably was the first spark of inspiration like wow these people are doing things and having fun and I like it it was it, it was like a magnetic attraction. <laughs> um, and then it, it seemed like a good illustration of enjoying parenthood instead of enduring it. Right. It was a very cool example of that. That is high praise. Thank you. Enjoying rather than enduring. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. So um, we just kind of stayed in touch and then we're kind of, we watched your sailing trip from a distance, just hearing about what you guys were doing and getting updates. And then not, not the entire thing. Cause remember there was a trip where, so part of their trip, I don't know. I don't, I can't remember if this is, I think it is it's in, in your the book. book. You stop and you, mm-hmm. yes, it is. And you, so you all um, stopped in Florida where we were at located at the time. And that was a really good follow-up to, you know, we, we had kind of spent some time apart at that point, but getting reconnected to you guys at that point, was incredible. And Brooke couldn't be there because we were following our own off the beaten path. Uh, Brooke was in school at that time. And it was awesome to get to connect with you guys and see you living this. It was inspirational, even inspirational, even then it's just to see you guys sailing with all of your kids on this, this sailboat. And it was incredible. I was like, this is awesome. And, and it, and I went away from that. I told Brooke about it when I came home, like this, there's something, something to this. And we just hadn't quite cracked the code on that one yet, but but it was very interesting. Yeah. And then we just kind of, we've been following lots of other dreams and um, like work related dreams and things like that, but not any family related dreams. Like it, of course it was our dream to have kids and um, we lived on a ranch for a while and gardened. And so that was all fun. But um, we recently reconnected 
with you guys for um, on an, a sailing trip. We went to the Virgin Islands, and um, that was really like a catalyst, I think, for Nate and I to plus midlife, right? <laughs> like, well, we, we I had, think I think we got to this point where uh, I don't want to say we were going through the motions, but. Yeah, I think everybody has this moment or at least experiences this to some degree or another where you're like, okay, something needs to change, right? Like life is good. It's not that life is bad. We're not complaining, but time's slipping by and we're not quite doing everything that we want to be doing. We're not living our best life, right? I mean, life's good again, but could we get more out of it? Could we squeeze some more juice from this, you know, orange that we're participating that we're partaking of? And yeah, that meeting up with you guys really started to to reshape our perspective on what was possible. Yeah, so I think one of our most impactful experiences on our sailing trip was the night of guided meditation, where we were laying on the deck of the sailboat with so many stars in the sky it was such a beautiful night the wind was blowing and you started playing the blue sky meditation questions that were asking um just these searching questions of like what would you do if you weren't scared and what do you want more of in your life and we've had totally undistracted minds our you know our kids were far away our phones were far away our jobs were far away and I think we we talked after the fact like how surprising it was how loudly and quickly our answers came of like oh my gosh this is what we want and it was very obvious and one of the things that came up was more intentional adventures and um with our kids so we came up with this goal of having five epic summer summer adventures with our family before our oldest daughter graduates high school and moves out. So that was kind of the birth of our dream <laughs> was that night. That was a really fun trip. We we had a good time. And I have to say that those that opportunity to just be on the deck of a boat with the breeze and the, and the stars and like you said, just being far away from everything is so it's actually one of the reasons we like to do those trips on a boat because it helps us remove ourselves from our everyday. And I love the way you described it. You said that, how, did you say how loud and clear your answers came? Even though I'm sure it was just an idea, you know, like there wasn't anything loud. It was just, we're laying there in the silence. Well, it's but just, I love that. Way it's just different it. because like when you, when, and the thing that was interesting when we came back to the real world, you know, we came back and of course, immediately life begins like, you know, without missing a beat. And all of a sudden work is, uh, you know, expecting things of you, your boss is expecting things of you, your kids, your wife, you know, your whole life is all of a sudden just pulling that back, you know, like, it's almost like the shade is coming back over, you know, those questions, and it's sh shadowing everything that you felt on those on that that we felt on that trip, at least I did, I remember feeling that when we came back. But um, I think that's the cool part about going on that trip was that it kind of pulled all the blinders off, all the shade off of that part of you. And you're just able to ask yourself sincere, honest questions without all the distractions. It was really, really cool. And that's, I think, I mean, that's definitely why it was so loud and why it was such a very um, intense answer, I guess. 
So maybe it's because all yeah. the bear because the barriers yeah. were removed. Is, yeah. that what, is that what you're saying? Yeah. And it was helpful to write them all down so that we could reference them when, you know, the pace of life picked back up and distractions were aplenty. Um, and then we did some one-on-one -on -one coaching with you guys. And that was really helpful. We were, we were just talking tonight about um, like kind of how we went from this could never happen. This dream is so out of reach to, oh my gosh, we're doing this. And it was really the accountability piece, I think. It was being accountable to you all. We met once a week for a while and you kind of gave us step, okay, this week, let's work on this. And then this week, let's work. And you kind of got us stoked on it too. Like, you know, we did this as a family and we went here and you can do this. And so that part was really helpful. But then also telling our kids, about it like next summer we're we're doing this thing and um and then once it came out of our mouths and and they knew about it and our family knew about it then we're like okay we gotta make we gotta make this happen <laughs> we gotta make this happen somehow okay. well i can i jump in here i have two things that i, I want to back up a little bit because i remember i can't remember why we had gone sailing and it had been a few months and i just texted or emailed or something i was like hey how's it going just just checking in and um, and I remember one of you said, you know, oh man, life is like we got sucked back in. Life or... has gotten us like we just went right back in, and like you already described that, Nate. And uh, and um, anyway, I guess can you talk a little bit about that period between coming home from sailing with so many ideas and such clear answers, and then kind of deliberately starting on a path forward? Like what? Just just take a second to talk about the in between there, if you don't mind. It was, it was messy. <laughs> well, I, I think that, so yes, it was messy. That's a good way to put it is, uh, I mean, I kind of already touched on this a little bit, but I feel like what really pulled us through that and just the, the kind of re-entering the noise of life was, and honestly, it was funny because I was thinking about this earlier as we were talking, it made me think of my old acting coach when I was in, when I lived in New York, I had done some acting and my acting coach used to say to me, the power of my thoughts in space. And he would say that, uh, and he would have me say things and he would basically to give myself a suggestion about the kind of character I was playing. He's like, you need to say things out loud to tell yourself that this is, that this is who you are. And that's what he would say, the power of your thoughts in space. And so uh, what I would do, and during this whole experience, that's what we do. We tell our kids, oh, we're doing this. Like even before we were convinced that we were actually going to do it, we started telling them this is with, yeah, we're doing this. This is a trip we're taking, you know, and then and we tell our family and, and, you know, I don't even, not even convinced that it's happening yet. But if I start saying it enough, I feel like it's going to come to fruition because I'm sort of willing it into existence. And I think for me personally, that's kind of what kind of got us there at least me internally I can't speak for Brooke on that front yeah that and I, th I think before we even got there there was a lot of vacillating like oh that was a fun trip w that was such a nice little night where we dreamed for about what we could be but we got work to do you know um and then and then also that longing of like no but but I really did want to do that like when I was laying in in the dark that's what my brain said I wanted to <laughs> um so just kind of vacillating back and forth between those things. Nate bought a whiteboard that is still hanging on our wall. And he he got busy, like, right away writing down 
these are, you know, this is what came up. These are my goals. This is what I want to do. Um, so that visual was helpful. There was definitely some, some conflict. I, I wouldn't say conflict, but I don't know a better word where we just both felt frustrated with the pace of our life and the trajectory and knowing, you know, what we wanted, where we wanted to be and where we were and not really knowing how to, how to cross that chasm. That's, that's a strong dissonance that, that disconnect between where you are and where you want to be and not knowing how to bridge it. So, and it can be a call to adventure too. What I really love is, um, first of all, that you wrote the things down while you were in that space and in that mind frame, and then you had them to refer to, and then writing things out again. Um, I was just listening to somebody who was saying, like, if I ask you what's four plus seven, you can do that in your head. But if I ask you what's 382 plus 4,178, you might be able to figure it out in your head, but it's going to be a little easier if you pull out a piece of paper and write it down. And how can we then look at these complex um, relationships and hopes and dreams and think we're going to sort it all out just in our head without actually writing it down and being able to look at it? So anyway, I just love that uh, you actually put in the effort to capture that feeling so that you held yourself accountable to go back and say, no, this is how I felt in the moment. I'm not making it up. I wrote it down. It's right here. And I have it on my, my whiteboard yeah, it's, now. It's amazing what's funny about that. And, and it actually still happens now because I have other islands that I'm pursuing, right? I have other things that I'm trying to do that are on my whiteboard uh, at you know various stages of gestation. But it it's funny how sometimes I look at that whiteboard and I'm like, I cannot ever, I'm never going to do that. Like, that's just, that's just there. It's just going to sit there on my board for 10 years and it's never going to happen. And then, but then the next day I'll be sitting at my desk and look at my whiteboard and I go, okay, I have an idea. And then I'll go write it on the board. You know what I mean? And it's mm. like, even though that there are days when it's hard where you're just like, oh my gosh, this is nowhere near possible. Um, but they're very quickly followed up by, you know, moments of clarity where you're like, nope, this is happening. This is what we've decided. This is the kind of life I want. These are the things that I want. And it just, it's still there. You know what I mean? It's still there and I'm, it's still a work in progress. So. I want to share, I want to paraphrase a quote real quick that I was rereading today. And then I want to dive in with you guys a little bit on, on kind of the, the coaching experience that we went through together and what that was like for you. Um, we were actually on a coaching call today and I was reminded of this quote because um, what we talked about was that like, we were doing some of the blue sky stuff and I was like, so how does that feel? And it was like, oh man, it just feels empty because none of it feels possible. And I was like, okay, that's, I appreciate the honesty. And it reminded me of this quote by, um, who's our um, psycho-cybernetics guy? Maxwell Maltz. Maxwell Maltz. And we actually have part of this quote in our dining room where we see it every day. And you it's, know, it's one of those little boards with you put like the a, letters in. Yeah, a word board. And it says, okay. Mentally play with the idea of complete and inevitable success. And first, and then he goes on to say, don't try to force your mind or exert your mind to make something that feels impossible become possible. Like just, just let it sit there. Like you're describing. Let it sit on your whiteboard. Just let it sit there on your whiteboard. 
and ruminate on it, or as Emily and I would say, marinate on it and just kind of like soak in it. And then he said, it's basically the, it's like the worry is sort of the negative version of what we do where we're like, oh man, that's an idea. And that could happen. That would be terrible. And, and then we start to like fill in the blanks and we start to imagine and it becomes, and it starts to, we kind of like give it a life. And he's saying, do the same thing, but just in the opposite direction, just say, put it out there and be like, man, that seems like cool. something that could happen. And then I guess it's not totally impossible. It's, there's a slight chance it could happen. And then as you sort of sit with it and, and marinate, the, the, it starts to fill in with details and it starts to take on a life of its own. And so I love, Nate, that you're just saying like, you just put it there and let it grow. I also love that you said you were telling your children and your family members prior to you really being convinced that it was going to work out. You're like, we may have to work this back, but we're putting it out there right now. And one of the amazing things that happens when you have the courage to share that, admit it out loud. What did your acting coach say? The power of my thoughts in space. The power of my thoughts in space. Yeah. I think it's a similar idea. And um, is that, then those people will start being like, oh, my sister and brother-in-law are doing this thing. Oh, we know these people who did something like that. Maybe they can come over for dinner or, you know, just it starts creating the network or the, the web that's going to like draw that <laughs> dream into reality. The more you let people know about it. And when our kids were growing up, we said, people will tell you like, don't say your wish or it won't come true. We'll say the opposite. Tell as many people as you can about your birthday wish or whatever it might be, your goal, your hope. And then they're going to be looking out for you. They're going to be on your team and kind of supporting. I remember actually, because I can't, I think this was during our coaching classes that we took with you guys after the trip. And I can't remember exactly how you worded it, but it was something to the effect of once you start talking about it, it's amazing how many people just start to come into your path that are going to end up helping you along the way. And I remember the first time that happened was with um, a couple that we had over for dinner that lives down the street. Um, uh, they go to our church as well, but we invited them over for dinner. We're like, hey, let's come over, let's hang out. And, so we, and we just, I think it just came up. I don't remember how we, it came up, but we started talking about this trip we want to take. And they were like, oh, we did something similar recently. And we're like, oh, really? You did? And they started telling us how they had this whole RV trip plan. And they, it actually, it was simultaneously discouraging and encouraging because one, there were people that thought like us and that had done this before, but they had kind of had an epic failure because they had rented this RV <laughs> and it turned into this big thing. And they ended up, um, I think, canceling the trip or it getting thwarted in some way. Um, but it was also encouraging because we had this information of like, oh, let's not do that, um, that they did. Let's do something mm. different. So it was good and bad, but it was also, I think it was all generally good, um, in the long run. Um, cause originally you were going to, you were going to do a, an RV trip and then you decided to not do an RV trip partly because of that correct. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. 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 We ended up with a tent on the top of our minivan. <laughs> it was very different. <laughs> okay. So. So let's, let's go back and, you know, we started meeting for sessions like this on Zoom and, and talking and then just kind of walk us through what it was like from you guys from the beginning, because you already said you had some ideas and they felt far-fetched and you started putting them out in the world and that felt like a, a risk. Um, take us a little bit through that journey of, you know, after the sailing trip, 
how it all worked out. Yeah, I think you're, um, the guidebook that came with our sailing trip was so helpful because it just takes you through slow, methodical plan, like, um, execution plan of first you have to figure out exactly where you're going. And then I don't know all the steps in order, so I'm not even going to try, but basically there's some things that you can put on autopilot, um, that's you know, if you just kind of calculate that early, then, you know, that it's, you're going to be there when you need to be. There's, um, yeah, just figuring out the slow methodical steps was helpful week by week. And the accountability was really helpful too, of like knowing, oh shoot, we're going to meet with the Ortons. <laughs> On they're gonna ask us what we've done we gotta do something <laughs> oh, man. Hey. that was fun that was so fun one of the things i loved most was being like wait this was a win and this was a win and this was a win and you guys have done way more than you're giving yourself credit for you're you're moving that was this that was so probably happy. probably one of the best parts of meeting with you guys like that was just we didn't always recognize when we were having success. Like we would think like, Oh, this was a epic failure. Oh man, this is, I, we're not getting anywhere, you know? And then as we were telling, and then as you kind of poked us about the different, um, you know, you just had questions and, and we would answer them and you're like, no, you've had success. Look at this, this, and this that you've done. Like, oh, it was very encouraging. It was, it was really, really good to have that, that coaching tip. Um, Another thing I wanted to point out, and I'll use some of your lingo, the navigating out of the harbor, that was one that I actually, I actually like that step a lot, actually. Um, and I'm going to equate it to something that uh, sort of analogy I came up with with regards to my kids. Uh, so Stella, our double starter Stella, she's 13. And I was describing to somebody one time about her behavior. And I said, and she was acting a certain way in the car. And I'm like, that's not her. But then I told somebody the story and they kind of they were like, well, why are you letting her talk like that? And I said, she's just trying on a personality, right? Like at that age at 13, that's what you do, right? You just try on a personality and you kind of take it off and you put on another one and you just put on all these personas to see who you are and you experiment. And I kind of equated that to navigating out of the harbor. And I felt like that's what we were doing is that we were experimenting with so many different things that were not us, or at least we didn't know if it was us, right? We were experimenting with all these different mm -hmm. things of like, are we going to do an RV or are we going to do, you know, like we didn't know. So a lot of it is just trial and error. And that was kind of how I wanted to equate that. I felt like it was a good, good analogy. Trying on the different personalities. I like that. Yeah. Trying I, different thoughts, different personalities. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, I often say like, why should I be embarrassed that I tried something on or tried something out and then realized that's not for me and then set it back down again? I just say like, okay, I learned a lesson from that. And it's no reason for me to go around, you know, carrying a burden of, of shame for finding a mismatch and just seeking things out. And it's like going to this, going, going clothing shopping and you try something on, you're like, I don't like the way it looks on me I don't, or I don't like the way it fits, but then you find just the right thing. And there's nothing wrong with trying on something that's, that you don't actually buy. Yeah. Or decide to keep. Yeah. I love that. And I love the analogy um, to be able to say that with your daughter and give her the freedom and the liberty to, to try it on and not feel like, Oh, now I'm locked in. Right. <laughs> like Everyone's expecting me to go this way now. It's like, okay. How was that working for you? <laughs> it's not working for us right now, or it is working for us, but you know, how's it working for you? Okay. So, 
So um, Emily and I obviously know the details of your the things, your five epic summers and what they, you know, at least the first one. Um, just so for those that are listening that don't know, can you kind of share as much as you're willing about at least your first one and then some of the obstacles that came up along the way and how how you were able, how you approached those and what, how it turned out? Go ahead. I'm going to go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell us how you, sh- how you shared it with your kids too and kind of their part. Um, let's see. So when we first kind of introduced the idea to our kids, we did, we didn't really know exactly how it was going to pan out. Like at least what, not in what order we, we just decided that, um, we're going to take this, we're going to take a road trip, you know? And when we say that to them, they didn't really, I don't think they really kind of, I don't think they really understood exactly what that meant. So there was a lot of, um, uh, how, how long of a road trip? A month. It was before four okay. weeks, right. four weeks. Okay. So that was about as much time off as I could get at work. Um, I used all of my PTO mm-hmm. in one, in one sitting and, and Brooke had kind of had to arrange her schedule, um, so that she could actually have that much time off. She had to actually turn away certain clients, uh, cause she's a midwife. So she couldn't, she, you know, she has like a certain window where women are, um, and window for a birth. And so she had to clear her calendar a bit to be able to actually do that. So it was, a, it was a little bit of legwork, uh, but once we got that kind of set up, we just sort of decided like, okay, what are the places, what are the places that we've always wanted to go? Like, you know, Yosemite, Yosemite was on the list on the top of the list for Brooke. Uh, there were certain things that were a priority for me, certain things that were a priority for her. And we just made this massive list of all the places that we wanted to go. And it, we sort of uh, kind of each said, this one's a must for me. This one's a must for me. Uh, I want my kids to see this. I want my kids to see that. And that was just kind of how it, how it started. And then eventually, slowly over the course of time, we kind of developed this path that we were going to follow. Um and we had it, it took a lot of effort to get to the point to get to that point, a lot of like give and take um, on that journey. But uh, but once we got it kind of set in stone, we started to, to, to show pictures of the places that we were going to go to our kids. We were like, OK, we're going to go here, here, here. And here's some pictures. And they would see pictures and go, oh, that's amazing. That's beautiful. And it got them excited. Um, so then they started getting excited about where we were going to go. Uh, which is even deeper uh, and creating an even deeper commitment to this thing. By this point, it's happening. Like we know it's happening. It's just like, how do we get there now? It's just, what are the different obstacles that are in the way? And what were some of the things that we ran into? Yeah. Some of the obstacles were um, like figuring out how to pay for it. (laughs) For sure. Um, Because renting an RV was like, way too expensive it was way out of our budget for a month and then paying for gas and then all the you know the campsites are more expensive so we ultimately settled on a roof tent that um we purchased that we could retrofit onto our the top of our minivan that would fit all of our kids and then we figured out a way for Nathan and I to be able to sleep in the back of our minivan um with a hatch tent and so we were just this like traveling caravan, little self-sufficient pod traveling through the national parks in Utah, Southern Utah and California. Yeah. And um, how did we come up with the idea for the roof tent? Did you, I feel like you came up with that. I think I saw it online just in one of our, you know, just Googling options. And we just like, that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's it. The roof tent. 
I don't know why we decided that. I really don't. I still can't figure out why we decided that. Probably because it looks cool. It does. And we thought, and the thought was, oh, we'll use that again for sure. Like, that was the thought. We haven't used it since. But, I mean, it hasn't been. Yeah, the weather's just starting to get nice. Right, right. Um, Another obstacle, if you're talking about, like, logistics, was just we knew it was going to be the summertime. Um, We were leaving in late July. And, and camping in that time period in places where it is hot, including Florida. Like one of the, our first night was in Florida. Um, and then we were staying in Texas and Utah and all these, and there were places that were hot. So we through this just was just research, just figuring it out. We found out that there are actual AC units that are designed for tents. They're a little bit more expensive, but um we ended up buying two of them because we didn't want to sleep with the car running all night. So we got one for the down the downstairs, right? The main lobby area. And then the luxurious penthouse on the top had its own AC units. But even that we learned the hard way because we a week before our trip, or was it two weeks before? Anyway, really close to our trip, we did a trial run um, just nearby. And we only had one AC unit. And so we gave it to our kids. And we were thinking like... We can just tough it out. We'll just crank the AC up really high. We'll be fine. And then we'll turn the car off, and then it's going to last all night. <laughs> Epic fail. <laughs> Epic fail. We did not. Okay, so that night, I ended up going home at like 3 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, this is terrible. This is way and, too hot. And I sweated it out the whole night. It was wonderful. I did not know that. Yeah. So that was really informative. We're, we were really glad that we did that because then we're like, oh my gosh, Amazon, quick. Give I, us we, had get, we had to get another one. Um, you know. Yeah, so that saved the day. And then just figuring out how are we going to like power all of this stuff. Nathan ended up doing a bunch of research on solar panels and found one that we could put on top of our roof tent that could charge all of our stuff. So there was a lot of little logistical details like that. And then we had a big um, curveball of getting in a terrible car accident as we were in the middle of mm. planning this road trip, which was very demoralizing. Like, not only did we lose our minivan that we were planning on using, but just overcoming the trauma of all being in the car together again. Um, you know, not only being in the car, mm -hmm. but being in the car for a month, like a month straight. And so that was... That was a really big obstacle, but we just plugged along and, you know, all the little details ended up working out. We got a new minivan. Um, all of our kids got some good trauma therapy. <laughs> they still do this little, like, <clears throat> tapping thing when they're scared in the car. Like, if, you know, if Nathan stops too fast or something, they're all like, ah! <laughs> I don't know why that's a coping mechanism. It's a coping It is. That's from is. the therapist. Yeah, it is. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. There were definitely some obstacles. I, I will say it was, it was really cool to be in this experience because, like, you start down the path. And once you've decided that it's happening, like, there's really nothing that's going to get in your way. And, like, we had some pretty crazy stuff. I mean, there was some logistical stuff that we just that just took a little bit of you know, experimentation to figure out, but things like the car accident and some other, you know, things like that, that are a little more serious where you're like, Oh, this could totally ruin everything. But no, like if you really want to do something like there's nothing that's going to be, that's big enough to, to get in your way. 
Well, I want to mention here too, I don't want to go into the details since you're not bringing it up, but there were some pretty severe injuries from the car accident that you were like overcoming that as well and saying, no, we're still. And, and I would find um, that Brooke would say like now more than ever, like every time an obstacle would come up, even if it was something really serious like that, she'd say, life is so precious, you know, now more yeah, than ever, absolutely. we have to spend this time together. We are even more committed to doing this, having this time. Yeah, it with definitely. Another thing that happened is um, my older sister, she's had cancer, breast cancer for several years, but it ended up metastasizing and she got really, really, really sick while we were planning this trip. And she's just a couple years older than me. She's, we're very close. And so watching her deteriorate and get, you know, almost to death was just another like big eye opener. Like, oh my gosh, life is so short and fragile and we have to do this. And then yes, our car accident was, was very serious. And one of our daughters, our, our youngest daughter ended up having a skull fracture and needing brain surgery. So that was. Well, it, it actually just reminded me of something that you, you told us on the trip when and that was first, that was when I was first introduced to this idea is that um, all the reasons that we give ourselves to not do something can become the reasons to do that very thing, right? All of those things could have been easy excuses, easy outs for us to just be like, eh, no, that's okay. Well, we, we'll try next year. You know what I mean? It could have, and then it becomes this mm -hmm. thing that just sits in the wing. Uh, but I think they became a driving force really, because it just, like you said, life is just far too precious and our kids are far too um, important to us to not do this because that's, you know, why not, why not live your best life just because things go wrong. Things are going to go wrong no matter what you do. So, yes, but we were the safest, yeah, turning it, turning safest road trippers ever. Like usually I think, I think if we hadn't gotten in the car accident, I'm, we would probably been like, yeah, you can unbuckle we're at, there's nobody, you know, yeah. nobody around, no cars on the road, but our kids were like, they would not let us move. And they're like, wait, don't go. I'm not buckled. Yeah. So bless their hearts. They stayed buckled all 7,500 miles. <laughs> yeah, they did great. Good for them. Yeah, they were amazing. We had the opportunity to meet up with you guys in Baba yep. Valley. Utah, yeah, Southern Utah. And it was just so fun to see all of you like doing it, climbing up to the the rooftop tent and the whole setup. The whole setup. We can visualize it because the we meals, can't the guys. freezer. Yeah, like everything that you guys had, like every little detail you had had thought through and prepared. And, um, I think you were still in the middle at that point. And I think some, some big things had happened already, but then some other big things happened as well. So I'm curious to hear about the journey and if it was everything that you hoped it would be and how it's kind of still rippling through your life now. It was amazing. We had such an epic trip. It, it was Everything we hoped it would be and so much more. I mean, it was everything we didn't, we hoped it wouldn't be too, because that's how it goes when you have four kids and you're road tripping. It's just like inevitable. Um, but Nate and I agree. We've talked about this a lot that despite 
you know, the interpersonal conflict that comes with having four females in five counting me in a, in a vehicle, um, with dad driving, (laughs) there was definitely some interpersonal conflict. There was, you know, we're in a very enclosed space, the sleeping in closed quarters, um, you know, camping without some of the luxuries that we're used to. And despite all of that, the the good outweighed the bad and our kids don't remember the bad like they only remember the good or if they do remember the bad it's with humor which is so funny because it wasn't humorous at the moment we all wanted to kill each other a few times but um (laughs) there was one night in particular we were in um joshua tree national park in Southern California. And we had timed our visit there with a meteor shower that was happening, the Persades meteor shower. And it's supposedly one of the best places to see this meteor shower because there's just nothing around. It's all flat. And so we had driven, you know, a long day to make it there in time to see this meteor shower. And our kids were just They were spent. They were spent. They were not interested in a meteor shower. And so, and we didn't have time to get them dinner because we're driving through the desert. We thought, surely we're going to run into food. We didn't. Anyway, long story short, we ended up getting them smoothies at like 10 p.m. (laughs) Oh, it was right before they closed. They they were closing down and we were the last customers there. We closed them down. Yeah. And we're, we should be putting them in bed, but we're like, no, we drove all the way here. Get in the car again. We're going to find somewhere to watch this. And um, we ended up driving up this rinky-dink road that had huge potholes in it. And it was just very sketchy. Our two youngest kids cried the whole way. Our oldest daughter complained the entire way. And we were just driving like like what are we doing (laughs) what are we doing it's 11 p.m what are we doing and then we pulled over we found as what we thought would be a good spot we popped open our roof tent we all laid up there well our two kids our two youngest kids fell asleep in the car and we're like i don't even care we're doing this and so we got up in our roof tent and opened up the screen just in time to watch this meteor shower happened and it was so, it was so magical. Um, but also so miserable at the same time, just with like the (laughs) complaining, but I overheard our oldest daughter telling somebody about this story and you know, it was just magical. She left out the miserable part and I'm hoping that that's true across the board that their takeaways are, um, just to remember, you know, the magic. I would love to ask you to share two other stories that I happen to know of. And you, you may have others, but um, I hope this wouldn't be an embarrassment to Stella, but <laughs> you're talking about sort of the conflict and the personalities and the tension in the car. And then you have this moment in Yosemite that I'd love for you to tell about when you're doing the water slides. And then at some point, I want to double back to something that you glossed over very nicely, Nathan, about, oh, yeah, I used all my PTO. Yeah. We're going to go back to that, okay? All right. We're going to go back to that. So so talk to us Um, a little bit about uh, the water slides. So we were 
at, I think it was about the end of three, week three. Um, and we were in Yosemite. We'd been there for, I think, four days. And it was our last day there. And um, we decided that we had heard about some hike that was way up, way, way, way up in the very, very top of the mountain. And it was probably about, I think, three hours from where we camped. Was that about right? About mm -hmm. three hours? And so we, I mean, you're literally winding up all the way up these mountains. And we, it was a, such a cool hike. Um, and it was, it was way way far incredibly far away from where um the valley was um and it was just this hike that only really backpackers go to and then the occasional like people who hear about it and there was brooke had found on some blog there was um this sort of natural rock slide that that's up in the mountains that where the uh river kind of pours out into this big i, I call it a bowl it looks like a big bowl and it's surrounded by trees and mountains so it's this very picturesque place so we hike up there. Uh, it's a lot of, you know, the, the first mile of it was probably trees and forests and stuff. And then the last mile was just bouldering. I mean, you're just climbing over rocks and all this kind of stuff. And then uh, once you get to where the river dumps out into this, this uh, rock formation, it's basically a 45 decline, 45 degree decline, like all the way down. So you're just like leaning back as you're going down. Uh, but there's this really cool water slide that just kind of exists there. And it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a chore to get there, but it was, it was amazing. And we had a really cool experience there. Um, uh, we were sliding down the, the, the rocks. There was this big natural kind of pool that, that had formed in the rock where me and some of the girls were jumping in it. It was really cold, but then you get out and the, and the rock is, you know, nice and hot because the sun's beating on it. It was, it was, it was amazing. But while this is happening, Stella is uh, starting to go down the slide and there's some older, there's some like a, like an older group of maybe college age kids there and they're all going down the slide on tubes and Stella sees them going down and she starts to um, decide that she's going to kind of go up higher and higher on the mountain or on the slide. And she gets up there going pretty far and she's going really, really fast. Well, at the bottom of the slide, right before you dump off into the water, if you're not careful, there's this section that's kind of veers off to the left where there's a little rock uh, ledge that you don't want to hit. And the, the college age kids were hitting it because they were on inner tubes. Well, we didn't have inner tubes. We were just going on our bellies and bums. And Stella gets going really, really fast. And she's sliding down this rock face and veers to the left. And she sticks her foot out so that she doesn't hit. She's trying to like avoid a catastrophe but her mm -hmm. foot hits that rock ledge and just breaks her foot in three places. Um, we don't know that it's broken, but she can't walk. And um, I don't know how much of the story you want me to tell, but there's some funny part. There's some funny moments because I didn't, I was, I didn't actually see it happen. I was actually up swimming with two of my other daughters. And so I go over there, Brooke tells me what's going on. And she's like, I don't know if it's broken, but She's definitely hurt herself. And so I go down there and I'm like, hey, it's going to be okay. We're going to hike off this mountain. You can do this. And I'm like trying to tell her, like encourage her. And she kind of snaps at me and she's like, dad, you're just trying to sound like a motivational speaker. Get away. And I'm like, okay. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I was it. like, all right, well, I'll go over here. And like, just let me know when you need me, you know? And I, I walk away and then um, I I should prep the and, and she'd been fairly, she'd been fairly sassy throughout <laughs> most, a lot that. of the trip. Is that safe to say? <laughs> she's 13. That'll be yes, enough. She was yeah. She's, I don't, I don't she's trying throw, on a I don't, don't want to give Stella a hard time, on. but I remember. But I should clarify, and I should preface this story a little bit. 
because before we went on this trip, I Stella and I's relationship has been a little rocky, mostly because of her being a teenager, not because of that, but that's a factor. Um, and this year, one or that the this year, one of my goals with her was I I want to be I want to be her hero, right? That was one of my goals is I want to be seen in her eyes as her mm-hmm. hero. And so when all this is happening, I'm like I'm not thinking that this is my opportunity, but somewhere deep inside, it's resonating that this is an opportunity I have to show her how much she means to me. And so she's, she gets to this point where she's like, just leave me here. I don't, she, you know, she's dramatic. She's just like, leave me here. Just, just <laughs> don't come. There's no helicopter that can come up here. Just leave me. And I, I go over there to her and I said, Stella, listen to me. I said, it would be my greatest honor and privilege to, to put you on my back and climb you out of this mountain. And she just like looks at me. She's like, dad, you can't. And I said, honey, why do you think I work out all the time? I was like, I work out so that I can take you off the mountain. That's why I work out. I was like, I don't work out for any other reason. I said, please, I would love to do this for you. And she's just like looking at me in this attitude of disbelief. And so I end up putting her on my back, hiking her out, uh, you know, taking breaks all along the way because it's exhausting to carry a 120 pound person on your back when you're climbing up this slippery 45 degree incline for, you know, a quarter, half, I think it was a half a mile, maybe. Oh all my the gosh, the it first was, half mile, so as we were going down, I was thinking, how are we going to get out of here? <clears throat> and that was before she broke her foot. So yeah. trying to climb, it was like slippery granite straight up just bare rock and it was it was really intense it was a a feat of superhuman strength well we got her out and honestly it didn't take near as long as i thought but it was very exhausting and i will tell you it was probably the most physically demanding thing i've ever had to do but what's cool about it is that stella her attitude went from i hate you guys this is so terrible and this is just complaining to you can do this, Dad. You're you're doing such a good job, Dad. Do you need some water? Can we take a break? Uh, you're you're doing so awesome. Like she was just being the most encouraging and kind, sweet person. And of course, I'm carrying her. So what else is she gonna say to me? But it was a really really cool moment because her and I, I think she's gonna. I'm hoping that she's gonna remember this moment forever. Um, but you never know what they will retain. But I'll remember it for sure. And it was very impactful for me. And she has brought it up a couple of times since it happened. Um, And it was funny because on her, so at her school, they have like a journey tracker. It's like for their school, they track all of their work and stuff. She changed her profile picture to a picture of me carrying her on my back. It wasn't from the trip. It was actually from our family pictures. And she was on my back. And I said, Stella, does that remind you of anything? And she's like, no. And I was like, I looked at her. I was like, are you sure? And she's like, Yes, Dad, I remember you, Carrie. And so she then she started like telling me about how great I was and all this kind of stuff. I was like, okay, I think I earned my place in the hero books for for her this year. So I love that. That's so great. Good for you and oh, for it was her. Great. Very good for our relationship for sure. And her foot is finally healed. Yes, fine now. And she took a while. Yeah. Okay. All right, so now we're gonna just double back and, and maybe maybe we'll we'll conclude with this because I feel like most people when they have these kinds of dreams, high on the reasons 
these are impossible list is because how are we going to pay for it? How am I going to get away from work? All this. And when we first started working together, you're like, well, if we're going to do this, I'm going to have to quit my job. Hmm. Like I'll go and I'll ask them, but I know that they're going to say no. And so it's going to mean quitting my job. And that's not how it played out, obviously. But do you remember that process and what it was like before on the, on the, on the front side of that before everything lined up so nicely? Um, yeah. So we didn't quite know. I didn't know, like I knew I had three weeks paid vacation at the time. Like when we first started talking about this, I knew that I had three weeks paid vacation in my pocket, but also I knew that at our company, it was very, very like, it wasn't written in stone, but it was expected that people would never take all of their PTO at once. Like nobody in the company had ever done that. Um, so when I went, when that was just, I didn't really know how to approach it, to be perfectly honest. I didn't know, like, should I just tell my manager, this is what I want to do? How should I approach this situation? But then we come back from this trip and we start talking about what we want to do. And then I... Back in the sailing trip. Yeah, after trip. the sailing trip. Yes, not the... Yeah, after the sailing trip. Okay. And so I came back and um, funny enough, I had just hit my eight-year mark at GPR at the company I work for. And they... Um, they just changed the policy to where I didn't have three weeks. I had four weeks paid vacation after I finished my eighth year. And so I just, and I, when I got back from that, from the BVI trip, literally that November, I hit, I hit my eighth year. Uh, I was in my eighth year and then I had four weeks paid vacation and I was like, all right, let's see if I can, if I can use all of this. And, uh, nobody in the company had ever, had ever done that had ever used all of their PTO in one sitting. And and honestly, never four weeks. Like that was unheard of. And so I just decided that I was going to talk to my manager about it and say, you know what? I'm going to make, I'm just going to ask him and see what he says. You know, it, it, worst they can do is say no. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to ask him. So I had a conversation with him and I just said, Hey, listen, and I explained to him what we wanted to do and why we wanted to do it. And he asked me probably like six or seven pointed questions. And then he says, Nathan, this is a really beautiful thing that you want to do. He's like, I am 100% supportive of this. I don't know how we can do this because nobody's, you know, he's, he's very by the book. So he's like, give, gave me all of this, um, uh, flack about, you know, it, it not being, it not being the expectation. And I told him, I said, I don't really care what the expectation is. I said, I, I, I would want other people in the company to do this kind of thing too. You know, I said, I, I, I had a, I actually had already checked with one of the area managers who was going to cover me while I was out of town. And I told him what I wanted to do. And he said, oh man, I want you to go do that because then if you go do it, then I can go do it. And I was like, of course, I want you to go do it. I want you to do these things. And so I, I told him all that stuff and I, and, and he was like, okay, okay, okay. I basically l laid out a situ a scenario that he just couldn't, he couldn't say boo to. You know, like I had thought of everything I had, you know, planned out like who would be covering for me. You know, I, I just had everything figured out. And so he had no he was just 100 percent supportive. But I will say it took probably three more conversations with him. No, two more conversations with him, one more with our vice president and then two conversations with HR. So it was a lot of conversations about like, you know, what the expectations were. And essentially it boiled down to it was up to my regional director. And so I said, hey, you were supportive. So you have to say yes now. And he basically never said yes, but he, the, his last words were to me, to me were, oh, I guess I can't tell you no. 
<laughs> I was like, you are correct. You can't say no to me because I'm doing this. And, and it just was a lot of persistence. And it wasn't contentious at all. It was really, really positive. And he thought it was just the coolest thing. And I think he, I think I just got him on board with it just from just showing him my excitement. He eventually was just like, yeah, you got to go, man. This is going to be so cool for you and your family. So it worked out really well. And this is only one of, one mm -hmm. of five, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't tell him that at the time. I just told him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were probably like, let's do this one yeah, round and see pace, my pace I have actually given him a little bit of a hint. I said, we're probably going to do this again in the fall again. And I said, we might not do a full four weeks, but it'll be close. And he was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So. Oh, it's always easier the oh, second yeah. time around. That's so awesome. I remember feeling like such a triumph when it went from, there's just no way I can get this time off to, mm. I did it. Yeah. And it took a lot of conversations. I mean, it was so crazy that it took that. I mean, yeah, the first amazing. conversation was promising, but there was, it was no way like a hundred percent decided. So it just took a lot of continual, yeah. like hopefulness, you know, you got to stay, keep, keep positive, but. I love that. I love that. I think a lot of people will find that encouraging. I know for us, um, sometimes these things don't even come up in your mind. Like I know when Eric was working at a job and, and he saw that somebody else had gotten, I can't remember how many, but absence. like multiple weeks off in a row, he was able to take a leave of absence, still get his job back and keep his medical care in place, but not get paid for that time frame. And Eric was like, I would totally be willing <laughs> to do something like that. So there's a few different ways that, that you can handle it. And we did end up actually doing it. I think we took an eight-week leave of absence and we went and made a movie. You know, that was yeah. one of our big projects that was important to us at the time. So anyway, Th so for, cool. What an incredible story. Yeah, yeah, thanks for indulging me and going back and telling the yeah. story, Nathan. And Brooke, I want to give you the final word. Um, I just... As you look back and as you look forward, I'm curious, what are, what are some of your, your takeaways from the past and what are your hopes for the future for you? And yeah, so we're definitely continuing the five epic summers. There's only four left. It's so sad. It's so sad how fast time flies. Um, but honestly, that doesn't even feel big anymore. It feels like we've done it once of course we can do it again like we already know the steps we know how to do it um and so we've kind of moved our set our sights on other things that feel big and scary um that are also important to us while this you know epic summer is going in the background kind of on repeat so it's really neat i feel like man my hopes for my family um is to live intentionally, truly. I feel like before we reconnected with you and went to the BVI and kind of cracked this code of chasing goals and dreams, um, it's really easy to just get caught up in the rat race of life um, without trying. And I love the sale, I love the boat lingo and analogy that you guys use of drifting versus navigating that really resonated with me because it's so easy to drift even if you you feel like you're not drifting if you're not 
actively working towards something else, you are drifting, truly. We were, we like got sucked into that so easily. Um, but now that we're aware of it, it's so much easier now to live intentionally and to dream big. And I think it's opened our minds wide up of what's possible. And um, yeah, we just talk differently now. We we entertain big, crazy ideas. Whereas I don't think we would have before. We let our kids entertain big, crazy ideas. Um, yeah, it's almost like giving, we've given ourselves permission to, to be great and to be successful. <laughs> wow. We've given ourselves permission to be great. I love that so much. Thank you for that. Um, I, anyway, it's been a real pleasure revisiting this with you and, and kind of hearing some more in depth. And so thanks for Thanks for sharing your story with us and our listeners. And um, thanks for being an inspiration to us, really. It's it's inspiring to guys, to watch you guys make these changes and, and, and take these adventures and, and lead your family the way that you are. Yeah. Emily, any these last awesome. words? Yeah. Uh, we always end this podcast by saying, what could go right? What could go right. Thank thanks you. for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's Eric. To sign up for a discovery call, go to theawesomefactory.nyc forward slash discovery, theawesomefactory.nyc forward slash discovery. Pick a time and I'll see you there. If you want to go sailing with us or you're just curious about where we're going, here are the details. We've had a great 2023. We've had some amazing trips and we're having a lot of fun doing this. So we're going to do a few more here and we've added some for early 2024. Our January trip for the Bahamas is already sold out, but we're going to go back for another week. If you want to spend Valentine's Day in a warm place with beautiful turquoise waters, this is your trip. February 12th through the 16th, we're going to meet up there and go sailing for the week. It's going to be a great way to share a lovely day with the person you love. The next trip is going to be in March, the British Virgin Islands. We're going to go March 11th through the 16th. It's the last week of winter. So if you want to spend the last week of winter somewhere where it's beautiful and warm, this is your chance. We're going to go to the British Virgin Islands, one of my favorite places on earth, and it's the sailing capital of the world. Why? Because of the trade winds and the beautiful, flat, easy conditions. Some of you might remember that I was just in Mexico a few weeks ago and it blew my mind. It was my first time there to Southern Mexico and I didn't know quite what to expect. I'd heard really great things about it, but I loved it so much that I can't wait to go back. So April 8th through the 13th, we're going back to La Paz, Mexico. It's the Sea of Cortez, the very south tip of the Baja Peninsula. Why these dates? Because the solar eclipse is passing through there. April 8th, you'll be able to see the solar eclipse and then we're going to go sailing the rest of the week. So it's one of the most pristine places I've ever been. You can check my Instagram feed and see some footage from there. And so I'm eager to get back there. And the cherry on top is going to be getting to see the solar eclipse that's happening April 8th. If you're interested in any of these, email me directly. Hello at theawesomefactory.nyc. Hello at theawesomefactory.nyc. Just let me know that you're interested. 
We'll chat through all the details. I'll give you all the information, answer your questions. We'll see if one of these trips is a good fit, but we'd be happy to tell you all about it and see if it's a fit. And if we get to go sailing, it's one of my favorite things to do. So thanks for listening. What could go right?